What's up everybody and welcome to FoundFlix. Quick announcement to any audio aficionados out there. You can now find FoundFlix on a variety of wonderful platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other ones I've even heard of. Go check it out, why don't you? On this ending explained, we're looking at Choose or Die, where we follow a broke student who gets sucked into an obscure 80s computer game in pursuit of a big cash prize. After a series of unexpected, terrifying events, she realizes she's no longer playing for the money, but in fact for her own life. I quite enjoyed this latest Netflix original flick. It's just very fun and its 80s throwback concept speaks to me. Maybe the idea was a bit better than the execution, as it definitely leaves you wanting more in many ways. I was still surprised to see this got totally reamed by critics with a paltry 26% rating. I'm like, dang, you guys are harsh. It is not that bad. It also ends up being a much deeper and larger story than I expected, especially due to some Easter egg blink and you'll miss it moments that really tie the entire story together in a larger sense. There is also definitely some confusion as to how the game works along with its evil origins. So let's check out Choose or Die, breaking down the story, including how the cursor program works and explaining the ending along with the shadowy organization we learn is behind everything. The game begins with an old school dot matrix loading screen and we then move on to a quite nice large home. We hear what sounds like a mother and son arguing and from what we can glean, it sounds like the kid Gabe is a real problem. His mom mentioning something about almost calling the police. She goes on that she was embarrassed by his behavior in front of everyone, but even worse is that his father did absolutely nothing. Gabe scoffs that he's too busy living in the 80s, and that does definitely appear to be the case with Hal, at first seen peeking out sheepishly from a door. He retreats back to his 80s wet dream room, chock full of old crap, including a pretty dope original Nightmare on Elm Street poster. He pulls out a data deck with a tape marked cursor inside, warning that reality is cursed. And the computer transitions to a game title screen. It welcomes him to level one, setting the stage that he's in a cave. He must prove himself worthy of the prize. He's given his first choice regarding a precious chalice, seize it or ignore it. He types to seize it and it tells him the chalice is empty, which actually applies to the beer that he just finished. It's empty, just like the chalice. It inquires to fetch another or leave. And suddenly he hears a beer cracking open and a freshie has appeared right there on the table. The label reads behind you and he spins back, but nothing is there. He looks again and it now reads fooled you. The next choice, lights on or off. Him presumably choosing off is a kick to darkness immediately. He's impressed by the unparalleled interactivity displayed and a Gary Newman record starts playing. Mm, good taste. The audio is taken over by static that gives way to more of his family arguing. And it turns out his son hasn't even heard of Gary Newman calling him Larry. What? That's crazy. Everyone knows Gary Newman, right? At least the song Cars? No? Okay. Gabe sees that his dad probably fucks his records more than his mother and Hal is presented an appropriate choice. His tongue or her ears. He's taken aback at the options and time starts ticking away. The computer threatening him to choose or die. Gabe's voice takes over looping that his father is a loser and it seems that his pick is pretty obvious. A loud staticky screech fills his ears. Hal screaming in agony. He comes out to a dark house calling to the others. There he finds mom wielding a knife and Gabe with blood spilling out of his mouth. She cut his tongue out, it looks like. The computer presents him with a congratulatory message. Level one complete. Check back for more tomorrow. So we can determine already that this game has the ability to alter reality and also take people over as well. All in relation to making an increasingly difficult choice. Through the credits, there are more glimpses of Howl's continued game, presenting him with having to further harm his family or a potentially more dangerous choice. 
players to instead make copies of the game and distribute them. The copies go out and the game appears satisfied, telling Hal his family is safe. For now. We pick up three months later with a group of women washing windows in a strangely completely empty high-rise building. They get their checks in the morning, and when one lady complains that it's short, the boss is not sympathetic, only calling her lazy. Kayla tries to show support for her, but the lady is still incredibly unpleasant, telling her she thinks she's special, but she's not. Kayla rides through the city and visits her programmer pal Isaac. He's busy working on designing a video game character, allowing her to give him a surprising jolt. He quickly tries to hide a drawing that he's made of her, dismissing it as just being an idea. <laughs> it's not supposed to be her, duh. Similar to how Isaac is also obsessed with the 80s and collects old crap. He reveals that he's got a pile of new stuff that he hasn't gotten to yet, and when she starts digging around, finds a copy of Cursor, tantalizing her with the offer of 125k in prize money. She wonders if there's any way the money is still good, and Isaac informs her there are actually tons of unclaimed prizes from old games, bringing up how some guy solved the puzzle after 30 34 years. She dials the number and the voice on the message is Robert England, AKA Freddy Krueger himself. Isaac is starstruck, but of course Kayla has no idea who that is. It's all enticing enough for Kayla to pursue further, considering it easy money, and ask him to meet her at a diner later that night. It's a date, he smirks, her correcting, no, it's a deal. Kayla returns to her mom and her home life does not appear to be the healthiest around. Her mom is there bleary-eyed, clutching a ratty stuffed animal close, and here that she's watching a home video with someone called Ricky wanting to go swimming. We can already figure out that he must be a son of hers that died in some tragic way. As a result, mom has turned to crack to ease her sorrows. Not that that will really help anything. Kayla does try to get her mom on the straight and narrow, trying to convince her to keep the local dealer Lance out of their apartment. Mom starts mumbling something about hungry rats in the walls, and a frustrated Kayla tells her she'll set up another trap. She goes back to her odd cleaning job and even asks the other lady what she thinks about this whole weird setup. She's not bothered whatsoever as long as she's getting paid and we then hone in on a business logo for something called kismet Seems very random now, but hold on, it will matter a lot more later. Waiting for Isaac, Kayla digitizes the game tape onto her computer. She notices he's already running late and texts him, but he's busy programming as usual and misses her reaching out. Her laptop starts beeping, noticing the copyright 1984 by Valence Enterprises. A new game starts, and this time says she is in a tavern, and she too must prove that she's worthy of the prize. The first innocuous choice, coffee or cake. And she notices the menu has been changed to only serve those two items. She opts for coffee, and the waitress is suddenly there already pouring some, and the menu returns to normal. The waitress tells her she isn't looking so good, and frighteningly the game types out her words verbatim as she says them. Kayla asks how she did that, but the waitress has no idea what she's talking about. She chuckles it off that she just needs some sleep, and the computer asks if she wants to continue or take a break. She slaps the lid closed and is transported to a heavily fogged environment. Her brother Ricky appears holding the same rabbit, and lands out she's got to choose you know choose or die terrified she opens the computer back up and she's popped right back to the diner she still types out that she needs a break but the game proves not so forgiving the waitress is taken over by something and starts grabbing a bunch of glasses shattering them one by one she's given another choice keep breaking or clean up Kayla chooses to clean up and the woman falls to her knees right on the shards and grabs another she sticks it in her mouth and starts to chew then going for another piece Kayla screams for her to stop 
stop. The waitress crying back, she can't, wincing that it hurts. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeesh. Her boss shoots awake, also taken over by the game, and starts shrieking, his body turning kind of staticky. She pushes him aside and calls for help, but it is to no avail, as she is profusely bleeding. However, the game congratulates her on completing level one. The next one is coming tomorrow. Fun, huh? Kayla is shot back home, wondering if it was all just a dream. She rips out the cassette and unspools the tape, tossing it away. And nope, it wasn't just a dream, seeing her mom discussing what happened with an officer. Apparently, Kayla even gave a statement at the scene, but we didn't see any of that. She tries to relay to her mom what happened, but she's still caught up in her Ricky memory loop, asking if the pool is still there. She reminds her that it was torn down and tries to push over some prescriptions, but her mom declines, arguing that they don't work. Kayla tells her that this is better than the alternative, her potentially dying. Is that what she wants? She doesn't answer. She's too far gone in her drug-fueled grieving fantasy. She then runs into the dealer Lance out in the halls, and he's as much of a peach as you'd imagine, saying he's got the medicine her mommy needs, and then pulls out a rejection letter for Kayla doing some programming work, just to rub it in, I guess, and further tries to shatter her dreams, wondering when she's gonna learn. No one around here ever amounts to anything. Things are even more dire than we realized, him bringing up he saw an eviction notice, and suggests they can come up with some kind of arrangement if she needs money. Yeah, what do you think he means by that? Kayla hopes that Isaac will be more receptive to her story, but even he doesn't get how a video game could kill someone, considering the waitress just must have been crazy. She denies that to be the case. She was totally fine until the game took over. Unfortunately, he has no idea where the game came from. He got it at some random house clearance sale, but he does promise to do some research to find out more. Back at work, time ticks to 2 a.m., and that means it is time for level two. Her mom calls in a frantic state, again complaining about rats in the wall, but this time it sounds real, and she can even hear the sounds over the phone, and the lights all start blinking green. Magically, a computer is there under a tarp waiting for her. Her level two is in a tower, and she can hear her mom crying through the computer, and graphics recreate the apartment in a kind of adorable 8-bit style. The avatar of her mom hides behind a door, and on the other side of the apartment is a big old rat. The choice is about which room to investigate. Based on what she chooses, that's where the rat will go next. She tries to tell it the opposite room to help her mom, but she is paralyzed in fear and does not move. Inevitably, the rat reaches her door along with another choice, charge it or chew it. Mom screams that she doesn't want to die, and with no other option, Kayla tells her to go to the window, and she has to go now, seeing meat flashing on the screen, and does decide to take the plunge, her fall turning into a cartoon smoke plume on impact. Kayla stares on in horror, and it's told that she completed level two. See you tomorrow! The lights turn back to normal, and she furiously destroys the computer. Of course, her boss enters and is not happy at the sight, firing her on the spot. Well, probably for the best. Visiting her mom in the hospital, who did survive at least, Kayla copies the game over to her phone. Mom comes to asking about Ricky going swimming. Well, pretty one-track mind there still. Kayla checks out the apartment, finding it in shambles, really looking like a giant rat did go on a rampage, especially when she gets to the bedroom door. There's a huge hole torn in the middle, along with her choice written in a command prop style above. Worried that it might still be here, she grabs a broken bottle and flings open the door. It's also an absolute mess in here, but no giant rat. Well, maybe that's not quite true, as Lance appears behind her, saying he's got to report the place being trashed. That is, unless, suggesting a trade of flesh. He brings up that in the neighborhood, her mom was once held in very high esteem. If anyone was going to make it out of here, it was going to be her. But yeah, that didn't exactly shake out. She's obviously been crippled since Ricky's death. Paying another visit to Isaac, he does believe her now, and she makes extra sure that he wants to get involved here. He casually agrees with a, sure. She shows 
shows off photos of the rat attack and he wants to turn on the computer, but as we know, they've got to wait until 2 a.m. for it to activate. As for looking into the game, he turned up literally nothing and the phone number that they called is unlisted. She thought the program must have been some kind of advanced stuff, but it appears to just be typical rapper code. Isaac knows that sometimes there is hidden data amongst code, including in the sound. So they separate the audio from the rest of the code and wait for it to load up. Isaac equates this plan to using cheat codes, which he finds cool but easy. In his game, when you cheat, it is gonna cost you. It's gonna hurt. She's not really listening, and he brings up that drawing of her again. Reiterating it was just a sketch, it doesn't mean anything. She's actually flattered that he made her into a superhero, and he tells her just make sure you use those powers wisely. They have a little playful food fight, and Run DMC comes on the radio. Isaac refers to it as their song, but she doesn't really see it that way, chiding him for thinking, you introduced me to Run DMC? A downbeat Isaac asks if she even likes anything about him, but the flirting will have to wait. It's 2 a.m. They get the sound and play it back, just a bunch of screeching noise, which he says sounds evil. After extraction, it spits out a strange language made up entirely of foreign symbols. They're confused as there should be a command prompt, but there's nothing. Now they get to experience level three together, the game describing Isaac as her loyal squire. The words on their conversation come to life on the screen, typing out as they say each word, causing him to chuckle in befuddlement, wondering how does it do it? He posits that maybe it's the symbols that really help the game to interact with reality, and it's time for their first choice, to help or not. Kayla wants to just shut it off, not wanting him to get tied into this thing, but the game tells them to choose or die. A loud interference takes over Kayla, and the game tells them to look along with an arrow. They peer over and two doors have suddenly materialized, one red and one blue. Isaac still doesn't believe what's happening as even being possible, but he also knows you never pick the red door. He leans up to the door and a voice whispers for him to die. Hmm, maybe red ain't so bad after all. She does the same thing and hey, no weird noises, so that's the path they choose. Isaac's psyching himself up to follow after. And now a word from today's sponsor, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh is a convenient and delicious meal delivery service that brings a wide variety of fresh recipes right to your door. If you want to try it out for yourself, go to HelloFresh.com slash FoundFlix16 and use code FoundFlix16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. You know, I actually love to cook. My whole thinking is you got to eat, so you might as well enjoy it, but it's not always easy to get all the ingredients you need, and then you got to figure out what you're going to cook. What's great about HelloFresh is that every box has everything you need. No more stressful trips to the store or time-consuming meal planning. They also make it incredibly easy and even fun. It comes with step-by-step -step instructions, along with pictures that are easy to follow. I tried out the Firehouse Cheeseburger recipe, and not only was it delicious, but it couldn't have been easier. It took only four steps, and boom, I'm chowing down on a tasty burger and oven fries. Nice. Even though I could eat burgers every day, HelloFresh has a ton of variety in their recipes with 50 weekly options. And there's even options for low calorie and carb conscious recipes. You can even customize your meals by upgrading the protein or even adding protein to a veggie meal. There's tons of options, so you will never get bored. So go to HelloFresh.com slash FoundFlix16 and use code FoundFlix16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. 
They step out into a red bathed hallway and hear Ricky whispering that he wants to go swimming. She chases after the voice and Isaac does his best to keep up and come out to a pool that briefly is overcome with static. An obvious clue this is all yet another creation of the game, tailor-made in this case for the current player, Kayla. As we might suspect, this is the pool where her brother drowned and also Isaac realizes the game is actually playing her. Undeterred, she climbs down into the foggy swimming hole and he quickly loses sight of her. She hears her brother's voice asking if she is going to look this time. Ricky then whispers to Isaac and scampers by laughing behind him. The home movie tape mom is obsessed with starts playing and Kayla comes to his precious rabbit there. Its eyes flash on green, groaning for her to look. Ricky crests the fog and jumps on Isaac. She comes to them both lying on the ground and is presented with her next choice, save Ricky or Isaac. Well, kind of a no-brainer, right? She goes for Isaac and her brother's eyes shoot open. He lunges and strangles her. She keeps kicking him off, but he keeps coming back. She finally overpowers him and covers his mouth to stop him breathing. The boy furiously slaps at her until he gets weak and whimpers his last breath. Right, so we know she can't bring her brother back, but now the game is actually making her kind of kill him. Pretty messed up, dude. Ricky then whooshes away from sight. The fog quickly dissipates and they're right back in Isaac's crib. A message comes on telling them they've completed level three, accompanied with a graphic of Ricky's bunny. Isaac stays up all night with her passed out on his shoulder until the morning. When she wakes up, they discuss what happened. You know that wasn't really your brother. She does get that, and that was the reason behind her choice, but the whole choking him out thing was still upsetting. And she tells Isaac the whole tragic story. Basically, Ricky loves swimming, and since mom was working all the time, she was tasked with binding him. One fateful day, she turned around for what felt like seconds, but by the time she looked back, Ricky was floating in the water dead. She obviously feels his death is her fault, and this is also what led to her mom's downfall into drugs. Kind of blew up the whole family, really. I do understand why she would feel responsible, but what about lifeguards or, you know, any other people that were in the pool at the time? There are lots of opportunities for others to have saved him. But again, I get the point. Isaac assures her that it wasn't her fault, yet for her that doesn't change how she feels. It is unsettling to her that this thing somehow used that against her, making her kill Ricky with her own hands. It must specifically want her to suffer. This concept really barrels to the forefront as the duo start peeling back the layers behind the cursor program's origins. Isaac comes up with a way to track down the prize number's address. Back in the 80s, kids played games via telephone. They would use numbers to dial in choices. The problem is the intention behind these and any other games of its ilk is that they are designed to make as much money as possible. The kids unknowingly racked up huge phone bills playing these games, and so they weren't allowed to play them anymore. Also sounds kind of similar to today's pay-to-play games that are aimed at kids. However, thanks to the simplicity of the analog technology at the time, crafty kids were able to find a workaround. They figured out what each tone on a number pad corresponded to and were willing to then hack into the phone lines, allowing them to play their phone games for free. Isaac's theory is by that same token. If they do the same thing with the prize phone number, they can backtrace it to where it's coming from. Would that work? I have no idea, but I do appreciate these stylistically appropriate convoluted concepts. They execute the plan and do procure an address somewhere upstate. With only 10 hours until the next level, they better get a move on. On the way out, she confronts their awkward attraction once more, and just what is driving Isaac? Is he wanting to help her or just get with her? Both, he admits, hey, at least he's honest, things turn to an 8-bit style driving game, and apparently Isaac is pretty reckless behind the wheel. They arrive at the address, finding a large building surrounded by shipping containers. They hop the rusted fence and navigate through the crates. The building is all locked up, and Isaac suggests to find a way to bust it open. Kayla doesn't eat all that, straight up strong arming it open. I actually like the little bit of characterization we get between them, with Isaac being 
more like Kayla's cowardly sidekick. She calls the prize number, hearing it ringing somewhere in the building. They follow England's echoing message, passing by a skull on the wall that resembles the graphic in the game. Entering a vast room, they discover a lonely desk and answering machines, and now they know they can give up on that prize money at this point. There's nothing here, though there is plenty of helpful evidence left behind. They follow after power cables on the ground and come to another area piled with tapes unspooled everywhere. There's also a bulletin board full of symbols, the very same they saw earlier on the computer. She realizes they must have made the game here, and Isaac pulls off a keyboard key, and it too is a symbol rather than a letter, implying that the creators were actually coding with this symbol language. Amongst the remnants, there's a taped marked cursor, Beta 1. They pop it in and meet the developer of the game way back in March of 1984. He's in the midst of the very first cursor beta test, which it turns out is more than just a cute name. He details that since discovering the curse, he hasn't been able to figure out its origin or meaning, but does understand that these symbols can have effects on reality. Each symbol means something specifically, rattling off ones correlating to fire, water, and blood. These symbols, he says, are a kind of ancient power, and also determines that when the curse is used against a person or persons, they suffer. See, there you go, suffering thing. Conversely, the cursor benefits proportionately to the cursed. The more they suffer, the more the other prospers. As suspected, the developer converted the original symbols into 8-bit equivalents and contained them within a simple old horror game experience. So the game actually contains the code converted in relation to this ancient curse. Now Kayla realizes someone must be doing this to her, as in the entire time there's been somebody benefiting from her suffering. The developer displays this in a brutal fashion with the help of a hapless test subject housed in a tiny ass room. The guy complains that he was promised food hours ago, but there's no time for that. It's time to choose. If you're so hungry, what are you gonna do? Eat your computer or your arm? The guy is like, what the fuck, dude? But the developer coldly tells him if he wants his money, he's gonna have to choose. He elects for his arm, and to really prove the power at play, the developer digs a scalpel deep into his arm. And it looks like based on the amount of blood, the developer is going to soon bleed out. Suddenly, the blood starts going back into his arm, and his wound is completely healed. This really demonstrates how things work even on a purely physical level. If the curse suffers deadly wounds, the other one could actually heal from them, a kind of yin and yang in opposites in that sense. Sure, it's a pretty impressive little trick, but it also has horrifying consequences. That's why they make it clear the developer has gone mad, grunting that sometimes a curse can be a gift before laughing maniacally. She gets in closer and can see the previously missing command prompt. The code is actually using the symbols. They start to take out the tape, but it's time for level four, now in 1984. They're told that cheating will cost them, and in reference to Isaac's concept earlier, for cheating, they have to suffer. Isaac is sucked into a kind of video noise bubble that she can't get through. The choice? Rewind or fast forward? She opts for fast forward, causing Isaac to start vomiting up tape into a big pile. It jams, repeating back and forth, and she's given the same options. She rewinds, and the tape goes all back up in his body. The developer starts to laugh in insane pleasure, spitting for her to do it. She apologizes and fast forwards one more time, Isaac vomiting up tape until he starts glitching out. The developer tells her with a huge grin that she has completed level four. Kayla rushes to his side, him wanting to know what they want. He coughs that he totally did introduce her to run DMC, and she only sniffles and nods. He keeps gurgling and then abruptly stops. The screen changes. Now that level four is complete, it's time to beat the big boss, including some coordinates. Out on a country road deep in the forest, she is told that she's reached her destination. She gets a call from what looks like her mom, but it's actually Greasy Lance. He tells her that he's decided it's for the best for him to move in with him. Now they're gonna be one big happy family. And I'm already going, how long until she turns the curse 
on this sleaze bag. She continues into the dense forest, and the screen blips to the skulls, seeing the forest itself quickly changing colors as well as reality. She arrives at what we recognize as the house from the opening, indicating that Hal must be her final boss. As hoped for, there's wafts of Gary Newman echoing through the halls, and she hears Hal speaking along with the lyrics. She comes to him at another family dinner, seeing that Gabe has been clearly traumatized by the previous levels, now wearing an odd mask and mumbling wanting to know who she is. Hal knows that she must be a player, and invites her to sit down, now seeing Mom's face is messed up too. He wants to know how she found them, and she tells him that it was the game that revealed his location, but neither know why that is exactly. When asked if he is still playing, Hal sighs in exhaustion, not exactly. He tells her that he collects things from when he was a kid, knowing she probably doesn't even know what these things are, as everything is in the cloud nowadays. Though that's not entirely true as we saw with Isaac, even though he wasn't alive in the 80s, he still longs for the sweet nostalgic flavor of the decade. Thanks a lot, Stranger Things, but I mean, has there been a better band than New Order, the Talking Heads? Uh, no. I'll be living in the 80s, thank you. Also, just like Isaac, Hal was unaware of what he picked up. It was found in yet another clearance estate sale. He innocently thought the game was simply a way to pass a few nostalgic minutes, but he believes that he accidentally awoke the spirit of the curse. Filling in what we saw in glimpses in the credits, he tells her that after level two, he was presented with a choice. The game promised to leave them alone if they made copies of it. The curse, it seems, is more interested in spreading than anything else, especially if it's been dormant all this time. There is a severe ripple effect to his decisions, her telling him her best friend is dead. Hal attempts to garner some sympathy, saying he is truly sorry, but she is not buying it. Though they both agree if the game sent her here, it definitely wasn't for anything good. Mom goes to attack Hal, and Gabe starts flipping out. He attempts to defuse the situation, growling for everyone to calm down. Yeah, just because he survived, it's not exactly a great setup. They're all very traumatized by this flippin' game. After their conversation, Hal thinks that Kayla might be what this thing has been looking for, and her phone shrieks, telling her it is time for the final level boss battle. Hal doesn't understand. He's the boss? He thought he was the hero. He whines that it's not fair. Why can't guys like him be the hero anymore? Uh, looks like you were just fine, and your nostalgic thirst is actually what ruined your family. For how that's how things were back in the 80s. And Kayla barks back to fuck the 80s. The choice is presented, him or you. And she, making her choice quickly, beats him to the knife out on the table. She gets hit by a bowl, but he feels the impact. The duo quickly putting together how things work. Gabe storms out with a gun, and reiterating the whole yin and yang thing, Hal tells him to shoot his papa, not her. The kid doesn't get it, and shoots her to his annoyance. He's the cursee, and she's the cursed. The situation escalates, until Hal turns a gun on himself, which would prove to be Kayla's demise, but the chambers are empty. Kayla tries to use their connection to her advantage, dragging a heavy statue into the pool with her. Hal is still convinced he's the hero, and slits his own throat just as she plummets into the pool, the statue pinning her down to the bottom. Hal thinks that he's won, but then he starts coughing and gurgling up water. It's like, who's gonna die first, y'all? The water keeps shooting out, and Hal drops down dead from drowning. The computer tells him that he is dead, and this is game over. He's dead, but Kayla did survive, reaching out for the wife's assistance. She tells her it's probably best to just pretend she was never here, and the wife is happy as she basically saved her from all this madness. She finds a victory message on her phone, deeming her a worthy player. The game is complete. A command prompt then appears, which she refers to as the real prize. Now the power is in her hands, and we fly into the code, hearing the developer reiterating about its cursed powers. Kayla clacks away on the keyboard, now using the curse for her own means, as it's Lance who gets an alluring dot Matrix message, finally paying off on his offer, $20 an hour or not. Of course, the grease ball goes for it. And then the next question, can I be in charge? Sure you can, he smirks. She hovers
Bowser hand in consideration before smashing it down and dooming him to his fate. The skull emblem appears along with a bunch of used needles in the sink. He forcefully hobbles down the hall and jams his face all up in that needly mess. Kayla recites what she knows about the curse. The cursed one suffers while the curse-er benefits. Essentially, she sacrificed Lance's life to reclaim their own and it worked like gangbusters down to the wounds on Kayla's face being healed instantly. It also looked like killing Lance helped out her mom as well, who was looking healthy and happy for the first time we've seen, you know, ever. As for the apartment, the cops storm the place, finding Lance in a gruesome Total Recall-esque looking state. Bold and eyeballs. Kayla goes on about the concept, sacrificing one for another. She used the curse to save her mom and kill Lance in exchange. Kayla recalls what Isaac said regarding being a superhero and the responsibilities of such powers. Make sure to use them wisely. Kayla gets a call from an unknown number, and it's the developer, decades later. Just as has been established, he has thrived while others have been destroyed. That's why he's even more surprised that she somehow managed to beat his game. Maybe she is destined for greatness after all. All he wants to know is who she will be targeting next. And she gravely tells him only those who deserve it, including you, but she knows how to program the curse, kind of a death note sort of thing it feels like, or maybe Dexter, you know, targeting those that deserve to die. It turns out there is a surprising amount of connection between the developer and Kayla beyond her beating his game. We see that he's standing in front of a kismet sign, which we remember from the weird empty building Kayla worked at, meaning she was technically working for his company. But that's not it. We see earlier at the massive apartment building she lived in, on the eviction notice, it's also owned by Kismet. And even the company she applied to and was rejected from, also Kismet. This guy has his fingers in everything in her life, whether he even knows it or not. But it also stands to reason that everyone that he impacts and all of their suffering has also been to his benefit. Like he's gone on to huge success all at the expense of others. It's also appropriate that it's called Kismet, which means fate or destiny. It makes Kayla's journey take on a grander feeling, as though all of this was really written out as her fate. There's that thread of her not being special or people don't get out of this neighborhood or whatever, but Kayla is ultimately able to succeed and prove that she really was the chosen one in a sense. That brings us to the conclusion of this ending explain on Choose or Die. Don't forget, before we go, you can send me requests for any movies or TV shows you'd like to see me explain by sending them my way on any of my social media accounts at Foundflix. What did you guys think of Choose or Die and its ending? Where would you like to see the story go next? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Thanks for watching Foundflix. See you next time.